Glory to God. Well, listen, you can be seated and turn quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, ushers. Pass one to each person, please. Thank you, sir. First Corinthians chapter 11. And let's look at, start in verse 20. This may strike you as a funny verse if you've not read it like this before. It says, therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Wait, what? <laughs> wait, wait, what? I thought we were supposed to do that. Now, just so that you know, I want you to see something here. Now, the super kids, if, if y'all want them to stay in, that's up to you. They, they may want to hear this too. I don't know what you have planned, but y'all be led. So, what was going on here in 1 Corinthians 11 was uh, you had people, whereas, you know, you're used to a little tidbit of bread and a little cup of wine, uh, they had bread laid out. They had, I mean, it, it was not just a little bit, it was a good bit, right? It was, yeah. And uh, when they would come together, here's what they'd do. I mean, they had loaves and they would, they would break them. And they'd come like this. They'd come into uh, church and they'd be like, oh, I'm going to come in hungry. And then they'd come in hungry, they'd have a hunk of bread, and they'd just be chewing on it here, you know. And this was a problem because they weren't really esteeming what was going on in that instance. They were taking advantage of the fact that there was, you know, the Lord's Supper, and they were taking advantage, advantage of the fact that there was so much there available. And what they were doing was they were turning something that was holy, they were turning it into common. And that was, they were turning the Lord's Supper into a common meal. Well, the Lord tells us, and he tells the priest in the Old Testament, he says, you teach the people the difference between the common and the profane, or the, or excuse me, the holy and the common, or the holy and the profane. Teach the different, teach the people the difference between the holy and the profane, and profane meant common. In other words, teach the people. See, we're not supposed to come in here and act like we're, we're just treating this like, oh, well, it's just another service and it's just common to us. No, this is a holy meeting today. This is a holy meeting. And when we take the Lord's Supper, it is a holy thing. And we, God is not a God of mixture. God is a God of keeping separate what is holy from what is common. What's holy from what is common. He calls common profane. Why? Because if it's common, it's not on his le level. It's a profane thing. And he says, don't come in there. And so that's what they were doing. And let's just look at these scriptures as you have the Lord's Supper in front of you. He says this, verse 20. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. In other words, you're not meeting to come in and have a meal. He says... 
For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one who is hungry and another is drunk. In other words, they're taking advantage of this meal and turning it common. And then he says this, verse 22. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you. And so he's, he's bringing some correction here to the church at Corinth. And he's saying, look, this is not right. Eat before you come to church. And then when you have the Lord's Supper, you are, you are holding that up on another level. You're holding it up on another level. This is not a common thing. This is not a profane thing. This is the most holy of sacraments. The most holy of things that we do. Ordinances in the church. One of the most holy. And you need to put it on that level. Can you see how he's saying that? So when we take this, you know, a lot of times we'll just pass the cup and everybody just, you know, takes one down, pass around and, and dunk and it's gone. That's common. That's not the heart that we should bring to these holy elements. That is not the heart. It's not the heart of God. The heart of God is to say, hey, I know what this represents. And I'm going to put it on the right level. And I'm going to esteem it. And we're going to look at, look at this real quick. What level do we esteem it on? So let's look at verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So he took the bread and, he, and the first thing he did, he said, Lord, thank you. Thank you. See, a lot of times we, we have needs and we have things that are going on in our lives. And the truth is, we don't take the time to thank Him for the things that we ought to be thanking Him for. And that is actually what's causing deception in our lives because we're not thankful. You can find that in Romans 1. If we don't get thankful, we'll be deceived on things. And we're not taking the time to say, oh my gosh, I was going to hell. And he did not leave me there, but has saved me. Listen, if life sucked from this point forward, I'm not going to hell, but I'll have eternity with God. Oh, Lord, thank you. Eternity. See, you think it's been hard so far. You've only been here a few years. Can you imagine a million in the torments of hell? You think it's hard now. Imagine eternity separated from God in the torture of hell. Can you imagine? And he said, I'll send my son to save you from it. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Communion is not a complicated thing. It's a very simple thing. But see, a lot of times what we do is, is we, we let a little, a little attack from the devil take us off of thankfulness. And all of a sudden, you know, one little attack and we're not thankful. Lord, I mean, in America, we don't even realize how good we got it. We don't even realize how good we got it. And it, Paul, uh, when we went to the Philippines earlier this year, uh, I'm sitting there and... and you know, I'm, I'm looking around. I'd been there before. But Paul goes, I didn't realize exactly how bad it actually was. You remember that? He's like, and I, I heard him telling his wife, Jade, 
it's worse than you can imagine. It's worse than I thought. And see, here's the thing in that. It's worse than, it's worse than I even thought. And I'm thinking, I've been to other parts of this. This is the good part. And we're sitting around, and, and we got our cars, we got our homes, we got AC, we got air conditioning, we got running water, we got a bathroom to go to the bathroom in. The Lord has blessed this country, and, and we are all about us. That's not thankfulness. That's not thankfulness. And all of a sudden, you know, we may have a bill collector call this week. We're just like, oh God, I can't believe you let me have this and go to this level. He saved you from hell. From an eternity of torture and damnation and, and apart from him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I don't care what happens in my life on the earth from this point after. I, every second I should be in thankfulness. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that. It says that we should always be giving thanks. Why? Because we always have something to give thanks for no matter how low it feels like. See, the devil wants to get you in the feelings so that he'll get you out of being led by the Holy Ghost. And so he'll try to put pressure and pressure and pressure. And I ain't one of the the main things he's after is to strip you of thanks on good thanks to God. Because when you get outside of thanks, listen to this, the attack comes. How do you enter into the gates? With thanksgiving. If you can't even put on thanks, you're not even going to get close to the presence of God. If you can't put on thanks, and over in Romans it says they're deceived because they, they forgot to be thankful. Jesus sitting there, he's got bread in front of him. He's just got bread on the table. And he says this, he says, thank you, Father. You think it was half-hearted through Jesus? Oh, no, it wasn't half-hearted. It was everything he's got. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the bread. See, when we come together to do communion, we need to remember all that Jesus did. Every stripe he took for your healing. Every puncture that he had in his wrist, in his sides, in his feet. Every, every second he was hanging on that cross with your sin and mine. Every second say, oh Lord, and you saved me. I didn't deserve to go to heaven. I deserved to go to a sinner's hell. And you didn't leave me there. Thank you, Father. It ought, to be, it ought to just be screaming out of your heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But see, let me, let me ask you this question, though. Apparently, this is going to be the message today. Let me, let me ask you this question, though. If you're truly thankful, what do you do with that thankfulness? I remember I told this story at a men's group the other, other night. Um, I remember there was a period of time where my life was hanging in the balance. It was after I was called to preach 
but before I started walking in a full commitment to God. And so I had one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus. And I would serve Jesus like a, like a wild man for six months to a year. And then I'd serve the world for six months to a year because I had some, I had some turmoil going on in the inside of me that I didn't understand. But praise God, he helped me to understand it. And once I understood it, I just went all in with God and everything got so much easier. And, uh, but that place for a Christian with one foot in Jesus and one foot in the world, it stinks. It's horrible. It's the worst place you can be. You're torn between these, these, two, uh, these two hearts and, and it's awful. It stinks. Anybody ever been there? Besides me, you've got one foot in both, and it's just horrible. And so at that point, see, here's what I know about the devil. I know if he could take me out, he would take me out. He's, he's tried multiple times, and at one point I end up going to my mom's church one Sunday. I was visiting her, and there's this guy. It was a guy that I really, you know, to me, I was raised up, you know, alpha male, and this guy was not that. He was kind and gentle and humble, and, you know, the way I felt and the way I was raised, I was like, I didn't have much respect for him. But I remember one day he comes up. And uh, I go visit, and, and Johnny, will you come here and stand? And, um, and so I'm standing there on the front, on the front of my mom's church, on the steps there. And my mom says, oh, yeah, hey, you remember him? And uh, I said, yeah, I remember him. You know, I don't have that much esteem for him at that time. And he says, all these years, ever since you were a kid, he's been praying for you every day. The man that I didn't have any respect for. But now, see, I understand the power of prayer and I know what I was saved from. And I know that that devil, he was after me, but God had men praying for me. Maybe I didn't even have any respect for him, but God had people of prayer praying for me. That saved my life. That man saved my life. Yeah. And I want to show you what thankfulness did. Thankfulness did this. Come here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I wasn't going to let that be hidden. And every time I've seen them since, thank you for praying for me. I needed it. I didn't even know I needed it. Thank you. Because you saved my life in prayer. When you get in true thankfulness, there's an action. We can say we love Jesus all day long, but if the actions don't back up what we say, we don't believe what we're saying. There's a belief and action that follows thankfulness. And when we start to really understand what Jesus has done for us, nothing can hold you back from going all in with him. I can tell you during that time when I had one foot in both worlds, what I didn't understand. I did not understand thankfulness. Over his body that he shed for me. If I was truly thankful, I'd want to help him and play a part with him. I'd want to partner with Jesus in this world and I'd want to save everybody else from it. I'd put all my stuff to the side. I don't care what I have. I don't care about my goals, my dreams, my ambitions outside of God. I only care about him and I'm going after him. Lord, I'm so thankful. And see, I know that if I seek his kingdom first, all these things will be added anyway. If I believe that, if I'm really thankful for that, I'm after him and there's going to be an action that I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what people see. I love God and I'm thankful for him. 
I'm thankful for them. <laughs> Somebody technical help Miss Nancy. <laughs> Amen. She had the Bible out on her phone and it started playing. At least it was the Bible playing. Glory to God. <laughs> That's okay. I turned around, there was a little commotion. I'm like, what is going on? But I was preaching so loud I couldn't hear it. So amen. When you're thankful, actions will back it up. When you're thankful. See, we can say, listen, this is, how many have ever had a problem with the American church? Now, let me see your hand. Like, I, I've been frustrated and irritated with the American church. Do you realize if you don't let actions back up your thankfulness, you're the problem that you're complaining about? We are that problem if we don't let actions back up what we say we believe in. When we take communion, it's, it's supposed to be from a place of thankfulness. Lord, I think, and see, here's what happens. When we truly get thankful, we enter right into his gates. Yeah. And we start praising him. We enter right into the courts. We start worshiping him. We move right into the presence of God. Let me tell you something. When you enter into the presence of God, that lack, it can't stay anymore. That, that poverty, it can't stay anymore. Right? That sickness, it can't stay anymore. What we're missing is putting on thankfulness, praise, and worship. And we're not entering into the presence of God. There's no actions backing up what we believe because all we've done is we've, we've gotten our ticket punched to heaven and we've done nothing else and not thanked Him for it by taking action on it. When we go into communion and the Lord's Supper, we should be saying, Oh God, you should be picturing in your mind the passion of Jesus Christ hanging on that cross for you. It was for you. It was for you. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For I received from the Lord that night, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks. Oh. He broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you understand what he was doing? Look at, look at the situation. Did, this is the night he was betrayed. Did Jesus know that he was about to be betrayed? Yes. He's getting ready to go to the cross and he knows it and he still says, Father, this is what I'm about to do. Thank you. He said, I'm about to put my life on the line and in the middle of putting my life on the line, Lord, I Thank you. Isn't that the picture of how we're supposed to be as Christians? Look, he, he sowed his body. I should sow mine. I should not be complaining about what, well, pastor wants us to pray. He wants us to get here to pray. Oh, oh, oh my gosh, is that the, the worst of your problems? 
He wants us to come to a revival. Oh, he's only trying to get the word that brings fullness of life into you. Is that the worst of our problems? Right. You see, you don't under, understand a lot of times. I know I haven't in the past. That What happens is we get to the place where we're so comfortable in our prosperity that was bought by the blood and the freedoms of others that they gave up so that we could walk in it. We're so blessed by it. We forget who empowered them to do it. Who blessed the country in the first place we forget what we've left on the table and listen if we don't pay attention to it you'll go right back into it and now you're seeing in the society bigger than ever before the country's just eating up the demonic thoughts of mankind and stepping out of the freedoms of God and they're stepping right into bondage and they can't even see it and many times we've not been willing. We just want to fuss because we want to go to church. We're, we're supposed to believe that it's the life of God. Here is Jesus about to go to the cross knowing I'm about to get Judas' kiss on my cheek. The guys are going to bind my hands and I'm going to lay my life down willingly. I'm going to take 30 stripes, 39 stripes, 40 save one for, because 40 was supposed to kill a man. I am going to give 39 stripes for the healing of the people. I'm going to go to the cross. They're going to crucify me. I'm going to give up my life and go into the grave. I know it, and here's Jesus. I do it. Thank you for strengthening me through it, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. And all of a sudden we're like, oh yes, I'm a believer. Listen, if you don't put on Jesus... You're not. You cause, listen, the fruit of belief is action. See, we'll get frustrated because a bill didn't get paid that week. We'll get frustrated because the devil attacked me with sickness. Listen, I put on thankfulness. I don't, I don't run away. See, when we put on complaint, when we put on that kind of stuff, and it's not saying that people don't go through stuff. How many people have ever gone through some stuff? And that's where the church needs to stand up and say, God will see you out. To give them hope, not condemnation, but to give them hope. But I'm telling you, your answer is not in complaining and worry and anxiousness. Your answer is in thankfulness, going through the gates. Lord, I praise you, going through the courts. Lord, I worship you, into the Holy of Holies. And there, nothing of lack can stand. It's all burnt up in the presence of God. Every bondage, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, every bondage is burnt off. He didn't take them I heard this this week. He didn't take them out of the fire. He just put another man in there with them that would not allow the fire to consume them but would set them free. That's where you can be. That's where you can be. All you have to do is say Lord thank you. And then have actions that back it up. Thank you. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for, hear this, my body, which is for you. See, this is called the miracle meal in that when I take the body and the blood, there's something supernatural that happens. When I esteem this right, when I get thankful and I get in worship over this, when I take communion today, there is a miracle that happens. This is my body, it's for you. 
And when you take this in, it's not an action of the little wafer. It's an action of the faith and the price that Jesus Christ paid. And when I receive it by faith, something happens supernaturally inside of me, physically and spiritually. Something changes. When I take it, things change. Bodies get healed. Provision comes. Protection is there. Deliverance happens. It's a miracle meal. Then he says this, in the same way he took the cup also after supper saying, this is the cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is what he said, when you take this cup, you're to remember there's a new covenant. You, we don't understand covenant in, in today's world. I mean, my goodness, we can't even have covenant from buying something from Walmart and taking it back the next day. We're like, I'm going to go buy it and I don't care if it works or not, I'll take it back tomorrow. Like, we don't even understand covenant. We're so flip-floppy in America. But see, in this age and in this time, if you made a covenant with somebody, it was solid. It was good. It was done. You know, what used to happen is if you bought something and I made a mistake, that's on me. Now we want to hold it against Walmart, right? And because we don't understand covenant. But you have to understand this is the creator of the universe. This is your Lord and your Savior saying, when you take this cup, you remember... I have made a new covenant with you and I will uphold it. You may miss it, but I will uphold my new covenant. You are a part of my family. You have the rights to what I have. He said to the older son and the prodigal son, everything I have is yours. When you take this miracle meal, you ought to be saying, Lord, I am your child and what you have, I have. You have given me your covenant. And you have given me your word, and your word will not return void. I receive every bit of it. Lord, I'm in covenant with you. I'm in covenant with you. He said, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. What are we remembering? We're remembering the price to make this happen. The love that caused him to pay the price. I love you so much. I will give you my body and every drop of my blood. I'll lay my life on the line. That's how much I love you. And our job is simply to say, Lord, I thank you. I receive it. And Lord, I will not forget the price and the love that you put on the line for me. And when we do that, we step into a covenant. We step into a family and we cease to be in that, that physical place of problem and we step into the supernatural spiritual place of the presence of God. And we have a right in that place to believe God for every promise that he's ever promised in his word. We have a right to step out of poverty and into abundance. We have a right to step out of sickness and into divine health. We have a right to have the enemy taking shots and some of, some of them will hit us 
to step to the place where no evil will befall me. I may go into the fire, but he'll send somebody with me and we will conquer this fire and every bondage will burn off. I have a right to believe and be thankful and step from the place of my problems into the place of a new covenant and step into the place of the presence and the family of God and where no thing can harm me hidden under the wings of the most high and the devil can search and yell and he can look for me and blast his spiritual sonar where are you I'm looking for you I want to kill you and destroy you and you'll be hidden in the in the arms of God he can't even find you you know this has been available to you for all your life. Some people walk in it. Most people don't. But it's all in the covenant of God. And every time we take the miracle meal of communion, we should remember it and put it in its right place. See, if we remember the price that he paid, if we remember that, Here's what happens. We don't get to Tuesday or Wednesday and forget it. We esteem it properly. We live by it. I got to tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about my Lord and Savior. Let me tell you, I believe wholeheartedly that many of us would have a lot less problems if we just got into the habit of telling people about Jesus because we were thankful for what he did for us and we remembered it on a regular basis. But the world, the world, they're not seeing a church that's doing that. They're seeing a church that just comes in here and invites them to their social club because they don't truly remember. They just enjoy the social club. It's not about Jesus. It's about, well, let me just go hang out with people that I'm comfortable with. Listen, I know we said it, I think Paul prayed it this morning in prayer. He, he said, let us not see the man sitting on the side of the road that's begging for something. Let us see the man of God who's filled with the fullness of the word of God preaching his word and becoming a soul winner. Let us not see the co-worker who's cussed us out for three years now. Let us see the person that God can move miraculously in their life and all of a sudden everything can be turned and they become a fire for God and then the fire of God catches everybody at work. Let us see him with those eyes. Eyes of faith. Stop looking at our problems. See when we see that stuff we're looking at ourselves. We're looking at our own selves instead of keeping our eyes on above. Keeping them on Jesus. Setting our eyes on him. Because Jesus is looking at that, pro that person who's been a problem in your life. And he's saying, that's my child. He's made my image. And I got great plans for him. Plans for welfare to give him a future and a hope and not for calamity. And we're just looking at what they're costing us. Jesus is looking at what it cost him. It cost him his life to set that person free. And he's just looking around saying, is there anybody in my body who will be the salt and the light and tell the person that may be an irritation to him, tell that person about how good I am and show them. 
I think if we would get minded on the things of Christ, we'd have a lot less problems. Because why? Because when I start telling people about Jesus, when I start ministering and I start making my life about him, here's what happens. I'm not just giving my lip service of thanks. I'm actually stepping through the gate of thanks through my actions. I'm stepping into the courts with my praise because I'm actually doing something about it, not just checking the box on Sunday morning. I'm showing worship. Look at, pull up um, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Pull it up in the New Living, please. In, in, the, in the King James, I might mix it with the New American Standard, but New American Standard, but it says this in New American Standard slash King James, because I might flip-flop them. But it says something like this, I beg you or I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service, and you'll see it here in, in uh, the New Living. Is that the New Living? All right, go to uh, New American Standard. He said, which is your spiritual service of worship. Spiritual service of worship. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. In other words, Paul's saying, I beg you, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. In other words, I'm going to present myself as a sacrifice. You know what that means? I lay it down. I lay down my stuff, what I want. I lay it down. I lay down my comfort zones. I lay down my, my thinking from the past. I lay it down. And I'm, I start to move and take action on a holy level based on the things of God, not based on my past, not based on how I was raised or what I was taught. But Lord, what is in your Bible? And I'm going to live like that. And he says, this is a, live in such a way that God says, I'll accept that acceptable to God. God. God himself says, I'll accept that. That's the kind of living we're supposed to put. And then he says, which is your spiritual service of worship. In other words, worship is not just this. Worship is talking to the person that's our irritation. Being about God. Worship is, worship is, Lord, I'm coming to, to your house and I'm expecting things. Worship is not just coming in, checking the box, you know, and I, I, I was not in here, so I don't know what time anybody got here today. But listen, worship is not just sliding in at the last moment right. at 1030. Right. Worship is, Lord, how can I serve you best in the house where you planted me today? And that means I show up early so that people see a smiling face. How can I go serve some people? See, this is thankfulness. This is, this is a spiritual service of worship. And see, people are wondering, well, why aren't my needs met? Why aren't this and that? What are you doing to live the way he told you to live? How are you trusting? It's not a slide in sideways and check the box and go out and see y'all next week. That's not church. Church is serving one another more than yourselves. Bearing the burdens of one another. Serving each other. 
Tonight with Pastor Tracy, tomorrow night with Pastor Tracy, all of a sudden, we're going to have an opportunity to serve some people. And, and we need people, you know, if all of us, think about it, if all of us slid in here sideways right at 630, uh, the AC wouldn't be on, there'd be nothing here, everybody'd be like, and there, we'd have had guests probably for 30, 15, 30 minutes, they'd be like, where are the people at? If everybody took that approach, we'd be in trouble as a church because the word would get around quickly. They're a bunch of jerks. We've got to start looking at this thing with eyes like God. When we take communion, who knew that a communion message was going to tell you what time to come to church? That was, that was not, I had a really good message and this wasn't it planned this morning. Although this is a good one too. No wonder the Lord didn't tell me what I was preaching all week. Just close your eyes for a second. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Let it look at my sufferings today. Apollota nama osebe efrota. Deni me kudu belekoma anchondo do dopa show. Ropata ni eterbeise. Amen. I was telling uh, somebody a story not too long ago. I said there was a person that we had visiting a while back. And uh, they came for a month or two, and uh, I could tell that they were carrying something they shouldn't be carrying, and I could just sense it. I'd known that for a while. You pick that stuff up and experience. And um, I was telling this person who knows some things about spiritual stuff, I said, what was funny was the Lord didn't tell me what I was preaching. He didn't tell me what I was preaching, and uh, then all of a sudden, he didn't let me know what I was preaching that day. And I get up there and he says, preach on money and preach on finances. And I knew that that person had been carrying something and they, they, had, they carried some weight. You know, this was, not, this was not somebody from a logistic standpoint I wanted to run off. But I knew, I was like, here it is. This is probably going to be an issue. I get up there and the Lord says, preach on giving, preach on money. I was like, well, we're going to find out now. Sure enough, that's the last time I saw them. <laughs> I was like, well, that answered that question, didn't it? How committed were they? They couldn't even get past the point where God said, be like me and give. Right. Like Christianity 101. See, a lot of times, and the person I was telling that to, he said, he said it's not like the Lord's just going to go, okay, well, they're, 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 uh, they're not ready for that, so I'm not going to preach the truth. No, no, no. The Lord will bring out and he'll say, look, we better get thankful. We better remember the cost of what Jesus has paid. We better be thankful over these things. And it's our job to put it on. But here's the beautiful thing about your loving father. The moment that you start to put it on and put it on right, you step into his gates. You step into the courts. You step into the presence of God. And the fire of God, the holiness of God starts to burn up every problem you got. And people are complaining that they still have problems, but the issue is that they haven't stepped into thanksgiving. They haven't stepped into praise. They haven't stepped into true worship, taking action on what they believe. It's all been just checking the box. 
But when we start to do that, God said, look, look, you just worship. You should be thankful anyway, he's saying. You should be thankful anyway. I saved you from an eternity of hell. He's saying be thankful always. Always be thankful. He's saying this ought to be natural for a Christian. But sometimes in the American church, it's like pulling teeth to get anybody to be thankful. You know, we could be. Uh, how hot was it in the Philippines, Paul? We were in a nice place. And it was open air, and he was telling the story to somebody this week. And he was like, it was like 90, 95, but it was about that percentage humidity too. It was instant sweat. Step out into there, and about 30 minutes later, you're drenched. And that's the way it is all day long. At the very least, we ought to be sitting here going, glory to God, we got some AC going on today. Glory to God, I got a seat to rest my bumpus on. Glory to, thank you, Lord. Thank you for providing this place. Look at this. Look at this. Look, look at this. Look at this place. Look at this. God has gifted us this building to win souls and advance the kingdom of this is, look at what he's done. Look at what he's given us in this moment. Are we going to be thankful enough to use it? Yeah. Are we just going to check the box and slide in sideways on, at 1030? Not serving anybody but ourselves. Oh, this is such a great, oh, don't you feel good about yourself this morning? Glory to God. What an exhorting message. Hallelujah. Don't you just feel lifted up? You should. Because what I'm giving you is the ability to climb up out of the pit. And, and the devil can't do nothing about it. You start putting on the things of God and the devil be clawing and scratching and trying to grab and he say, it's like they're covered with the oil of the Holy Ghost. I can't hold on to them anymore. I can't hold on to them. Why? Because I'm applying the things of God. See, we live in a society that doesn't want this kind of preaching because this kind of preaching, it, it makes them feel like they've been irresponsible. We have been irresponsible. And that's why it hasn't been working. And that's why we've been upset at the church because they're not carrying the power of God. If you go into Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, it says this, Jesus was anointed because he hated transgression. He hated sin. He hated unholiness. He hated the common, the profane. But when he said, Lord, let me go after you with everything. Let me put on holy things. Let me take holy actions. All of a sudden, an anointing came on him and the devil couldn't stop him. Did you know you have that ability in you? The devil can't stop you as soon as you decide. Lord, I'm putting on you. I'm putting on your ways. I'm going to do it your way. I don't care what anybody feels, feels about it. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to give you the glory. Glory to God. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. We step right into the presence of God and he starts burning off every bondage in your life. Communion message. Hallelujah. 
Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Doesn't that just sound joyful? Do you, but do you really understand what that means? Every time I eat the bread and drink the cup, I say, the Lord died so that I might live. That I might have life to the full till it overflows. Every time I take in this miracle meal of the bread and the blood, the body and the blood, the bread and the cup, every time I'm saying, I am in covenant. I'm in his family and he's done great and mighty things for me. Everything he has is mine. He died so that I might live. Glory to God. Thank you. And he didn't stay there, but he was resurrected. Lord, I thank you. I remember it the right way. And I take action on my thankfulness and remembrance. Verse 27. Ooh. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That doesn't sound good. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many, of, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. That means a number of them have died. Because they took communion the wrong way. That's exactly what Paul was saying. He says, for if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. Now, I want you to see this. See, if we don't, he's saying this, that if you take communion and you do it the right way, you won't be sick and you won't die early. That's what he's saying. But he's saying people that come and they take communion, they don't do it the right way. Many of them are weak and sick and have died. Well, communion's that important? Yeah. How do we do it right then? Well, here's what you do. You don't take this body and the blood and you just down it. Oh, yeah. Cheers. Gunk, gunk. You don't just down it. No. This represents the love and the passion of Jesus Christ. This represents a life given to the Father without excuse. This represents a life that was taken early, actually given early to you so that you would never have to see life taken from you. And so what does it mean when I take it? When I take the body and the blood, I'm saying this, Lord, I see what you did for me. Lord, I thank you for what you did for me. And we know that thankfulness without action is not proper thankfulness. And so it's saying, Lord, I remember the price that you paid. I will not despise it. I will esteem it. And that means I'm going to live like it. Holy Ghost, whatever you ask me to do, I will do. That's proper esteeming. 
See, many people, they're just taking it, but they still got plans to go do everything they, they want to do. They, they, they still won't put their comfort on the line. God will tell them, hey, go pray for that person. They'll be like, mm, no, I won't go do that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. They, 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 they got their comfort, and they'll let their comfort be the Lord of their life. No, no, no. When you take this, many are sick and weak. Because they take this and they... Th- Do you realize it's the anointing of Christ that's coming on you when you take this? This is a miracle meal. It is there to empower you to be and act like Jesus and carry His anointing. That's a part of the transference when we take this thing. There's something supernatural that happens when you take communion. And the church many times has turned it just into a series of steps. No, this is supernatural. And if you say, hey, I'm going to operate supernaturally like Jesus and you take take it and you step into that thing, then you don't do it. You're putting yourself in the devil's bullseye. And that's why many are weak and sick. And de- Listen, and the devil would kill you just like that if he could. It's the mercy of God that helps us. Because any don't raise your hand, but I'll raise mine for everybody. Anybody taking it wrongly after hearing this message today? I've taken it wrongly. And don't you know the devil would have taken you out if he could. But it's the mercy of God that's upholding us. But when we will recognize what's really going on in communion, this is a miracle meal, establishing the covenant fresh every time I take it. I step out of the physical world, all my problems and all my lack, and I step into the family of God. And it is signed by his blood. It is a covenant by the blood of Jesus Christ. And every time I take it, I remind myself of who I am in Jesus, what I'm called to and what I'm supposed to do and what I'm empowered with his anointing, his calling, his life. He took, he put life down so that I could take it on and I would do these things and greater. He was the firstborn of many brethren to go and be the salt and the light. Lord, I won't take this today and step out of here and act the same. Today is a marker. It is a turn. And listen, the Lord will back up his word. He will, he will confirm his word with signs and wonders following. And so you ought to expect when you take communion today and you clear your heart, you get it to the right place and you take that communion, you ought to expect I'm going to have a different boldness on me when I go to the store this week. I'm going to have a different power, a different anointing. I'm going to be, I'm going to put on Jesus and be the salt and the light. And people are going to see his glory radiating in me and they won't be able to, they'll be like, what in the world is up with you? That's what the word says, where it says you need to be ready to give an account for the hope that is within you because you've taken on the hope of Christ and you're carrying it like a garment beaming in the heavenly glory of God every day of your life. This is not theory. This is not a dream. This is not just an example. This is a reality that he's called every believer to do and it starts today as you renew the covenant of God with you and your covenant with him. Do you mean it? Do you remember it properly? Remembering, and do you thank Him for it? Do you remember it on Monday and on Tuesday? Or are we just in the practice of gunk, gunk, 
and it's over and it means nothing to us. No, it should mean something to us. He broke his body. He shed his blood. It cost him his life and he did it for you. Just close your eyes right now. You know, this, this type of esteem of the things of God is not supposed to be just taken into communion. It's supposed to be taken into our tithes, into our offerings, into our serving at the church. We're supposed to, we're, we're supposed to take this into every area of our life. This, we're not just describing communion. What we're describing is how God is. And we're supposed to put God on, put Jesus on. We're supposed to look like Him, act like Him, serve like Him, pray like Him, worship like Him, praise like Him, thank like Him. Every action of our life, every thought is supposed to carry this level of esteem towards the things of God. To not mix the holy and the profane or the holy and the common, but to say, Lord, I'm yours and in every action I remember you and I thank you. As you have in your hands today the body and the blood. I want you to look at it right now. I want you to look at the body and the blood. I want you to forget that I'm standing here. Forget where you're at. And I want you to understand on a hilltop 2,000 years ago, your Savior had you on his mind. And it's at that moment he took that body and he said, I'll break it for you. At that moment, he decided, I'll shed it for you and I'll lay down my life. I could get off of this tree any moment, any second of any day, but I'm staying here for you. Now, if he was willing to give that to you, what does he deserve to receive as a harvest? It's us. Lord, you deserve me. My thoughts, my actions, my esteem towards you. You deserve my thankfulness that has actions that follow it. You deserve me. Jesus, you deserve me. As we take the body and the blood today, let's esteem it properly. You know, many of you, uh, I, th I, th I know that most of you, you're, you're seeking to live a life that's good, but I also know that the flesh has been there in the past to trip you up, and maybe, maybe even this week you got tripped up. Maybe even this morning. <laughs> maybe on the, on the way to church. Maybe in between the car and the front door of the church. I mean, that's never happened to me, but I heard it happen sometimes. Jesus says, I love you. I love you anyway. I even saw July 14th, 2019, that day when you'd mess up on the way to church in between the car and the door, and I still decided to stay on that cross for you that day. I saw it, 
And I didn't care. I loved you more. Which then in turn gives us a heart that says, if you love me that much, Lord, how can I not serve you? How can I not thank you properly? How can I not live for you the way that you called, to, called me to live? And so it's time to start all over, to reset. It's time to say, Lord, today's the day and it'll never be the same after this day. I will not be lukewarm after you again. I will not have a foot in the world and a foot in you in your kingdom again. I'm not going to be lukewarm. I'm going to be on fire for you. Today's the day. And I believe that as you make that commitment today, every spiritual stronghold, every spiritual bondage, as you take that step of thankfulness into his gates and praise into his courts and a true heart decision of worship to turn it into action and you step into the presence of God, every spiritual bondage that's been holding you back, every bit of lack, every bit of sickness, every bit of, of holding you back from being who God's called you to be, that it'll be broken today. Now understand that although the spiritual powers that be will be broken over your life, you may have been taking actions in such a way for such a long time that it's easy to go right back to those habits. But I'm making a decision today. I will not go back to those bad habits. I know that the power's been broken and by faith I will say no. By faith I'll say yes to God and no to sin. By faith. I might not even feel strong enough, but I'm going to take the step, Lord. I'm going to try. I'm going to go after you. But the thing is, when I try, backed by your power, it's not a try anymore. It's an accomplishment, and it is done. Every weapon formed against me will not prosper. I will walk in your word, and this is what your word is like. Everything it was sent to do, it will accomplish. And as I walk like your word, I will accomplish everything that I seek. When I tell you yes and sin no, I will walk out a new habit. I will form new habits. I will tell the old ways no from this day forward. But I am not taking this communion and remembering the body and blood today and not doing it the right way. I'm going to receive a supernatural miracle into my life to break every bondage, break every chain, to be completely healed and delivered today by the miracle meal. I will step into it and I will be a changed person forever. Lord, I'm asking you to uphold your part and I know you will. And by faith, I take the body and the blood. Strengthen me. So I want you to pray this with me. Every bit that I just said, if that's your heart, even if you've been born again before, I want you to pray and I want you to recommit right now, right now today. I want you to say, Jesus, if you paid that price, then you are worthy of my life and I give it to you freely. And I want you to say it with your mouth. Don't you say it in your brain. Confess with your mouth, the Bible says, that Jesus is Lord. And just, just pray with me right now. Just say, Jesus. Jesus. Say it with me. Jesus, Jesus. right now. You are the Lord of my life. Say it with me. You're the Lord of my life. You're the director. You call the shots. And I will be obedient. And I believe that you took all my sin on you. 
And Lord, I ask you to forgive me of that sin. That you would wipe it away today like it never happened into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. There's no more record of it in you. I am forgiven and I receive it by faith. And my sin that you took on you, Jesus, it took you to the cross and the grave. But you did not stay there. I believe that God brought you back to life. I believe that God raised you up from the dead. And you didn't leave me in that place of death. But when you raised up Jesus, you raised me up with him. And according to your word, in Ephesians chapter 2, I am seated with him in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers. They are under our feet. The book of Ephesians tells me so. And I believe it. Jesus, I ask you, baptize me with the Holy Ghost. Baptize me with fire that I might be your witness and live out thankfulness and live out my praise and live out my worship. And as I take this bread and this cup, I seal that new covenant in me today and I'll live like it for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now just look at the bread and the cup. Lord, we remember today the body and the blood. We don't take it lightly, but we receive supernatural. Even as we take it today, bodies will be healed. Lord, work with your word with signs following. Bodies will be healed. Bondages will be broken. Poverty will be beat down. Sickness and disease will flee because we're the children of God walking in a new covenant sealed by his blood. I receive the body as broken so that mine won't have to be. I receive the life in the blood that Jesus laid down willingly so that I could have life to the full. And let every demonic thing that's tried to hold people back be completely disintegrated in the lives of your people today. In Jesus' name. And when you're ready, you may take the body and the blood. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. And as, as we wrap up today and as we finish up, don't go out of here forgetting the thankfulness and the praise 
and the worship of living your life in God the way that he's called you to live.